What's happening, everybody? On today's show, recapping the Vols offseason as they were the only SEC team not to have a football spring game. We'll talk about that with Eric Kane, host of Locked on Vols. Also, is Vols baseball a lock to get to Omaha? We'll discuss with him. And the aftermath of Jimbo and Saban, how it's affecting all the other schools across the SEC. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC, a crossover edition with our buddy Eric Kane, host of Locked On Vols. Thanks for making uh, Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. All right, let's wait no longer. Let's bring in our guy, Eric Kane, host of Locked On Vols. He joins us now. Eric, what's going on, man? Hey, doing well. Hope, uh, Hope all is well with you over there in Houston. Yeah, definitely, man. It's uh, it's a busy time of year, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, maybe a, a debtor time just from a standpoint of, you know, not a whole lot of storylines, obviously we're always looking ahead to uh, the fall and, and what, you know, summer ball is going to bring and all that across the conference. we got baseball is uh, heading into the postseason now, but I want to start here, Eric, uh, get your perspective on the story that really took over the SEC and the entire college football world just a week ago. Uh, Jimbo Fisher and Nick, Nick Saban publicly taking shots at each other. Uh, what did you and, and the Vols community uh, take from that? Because uh, you know, I th- when I hear from a lot of other SEC fans, it's kind of like, man, we're, we're just liking standing on the sidelines and seeing these two guys go at it publicly. Yeah, uh, yeah that was pretty much the, uh, the, you know, the reception that was here in Knoxville and you know, around the, the Tennessee fan base. It was it's so bizarre because I mean I haven't been you know this is I guess year five of my year in the industry and so I haven't seen anything like this and I would go on a limb and say you probably haven't seen much of like this either I mean you when you live in a glass house you never want to point the spotlight somewhere else because you're just inviting everyone to come in and raid your home right I mean there's this unspoken rule I think Pat Forty wrote about this at at Sports Illustrated did a really nice job about uh, yeah, you could talk amongst yourselves on the sideline, text back and forth, call each other and talk about, you know, this coach or that coach maybe breaking the rules, but you would never go publicly and, and and mention, you know, calling somebody by name. And that's what Nick Saban did. And usually he's a guy that keeps other people's names and other people's programs out of his mouth. Um, I think it kind of got away from him there. And Jimbo is a guy that just wasn't going to take any of it. So <laughs> sitting back, watching, laughing, it was, it was cinema. It was, it was fantastic. And I think, for one, Tennessee fans were glad that Tennessee was not in the spotlight on this one. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Eric. You are, uh, you know, Vols, this is your permanent crossover. We'll see, of course, if these things change with Oklahoma and Texas coming to the conference and, you know, will we go to a pod system or whatever. But for now, you know, they're permanently on your schedule every year. Are Vol fans secretly hoping, does this maybe force, you know, with the NIL and paying players and having to deal with other schools doing this, does this maybe force Saban into, I don't want to say an early retirement, because if you retired now, nobody would say, be surprised. But yeah. do Vols fans maybe secretly hope this leads to Saban going, you know what, all this NIL stuff, I don't want to deal with it, I'm getting out. Well, I mean, there's always the hope, right? I mean, that that, that would be Christmas if Nick Saban were to, the day Nick Saban does retire, <laughs> it's going to be Christmas for, you know, all college football fans, SEC fans, especially Tennessee fans, because, I mean, that's just... Yeah, you know, the last you know 13, 14 years, it's been an automatic loss on your schedule, right? And 
you know, who else can say that around the SEC? I mean, sure, Alabama's got to play every team in the SEC West, but you know, South Carolina doesn't play Alabama every year. Florida doesn't play Alabama every year. So it is what it is. But I don't think anybody's anticipating. Look, Nick Saban, he has adapted to everything that's been thrown at him. That's why he is the greatest of all time. He didn't like the way that the offense were changing into the up-tempo and the spreading things out and the RPOs and all that type of stuff. He's even came out on record and said, hey, I didn't want to do any of this, but I knew I had to make a change. That's why I went out and got Lane, and that's when we made a philosophy change on the offensive end, and he's won a couple of national championships since then. He was not in favor of the transfer portal. He said this is bad for college football, yet he has adapted, and he's used it as well as anybody. Look in this offseason, going to get Jamar Gibbs, going to get Tyler Steen. Um, and he's not a fan of name, image, and likeness, but he will adapt. And more so than anything, I took that as a warning shot, what he said Wednesday night, saying, hey, it, this is what it is. We don't like it. I think this is bad for college football, but there's other teams doing it. Texas A&M is buying every player. I don't know how much longer we can sustain. I took it as a warning shot, too, just like Deion Sanders said to his alumni, to his givers, to his, to his collectives, to everybody involved, saying, hey, Let's pony up and go get it because I'm going to adapt and I'm still going to I'm still going to truck along. So one day Nick Saban will retire, but I don't think anybody around here thinks it's going to be anytime soon. I don't think this is a, a Jay Wright, Mike Krzyzewski, uh, you know, Roy Williams type situation. I think that Nick Saban's different from those guys, and I know that it's it's completely you know two different sports and they're legends in their own right. But I, I don't see Nick Saban slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, and look, he's always going to be playing with a loaded deck. That He's always going to uh, have yeah. the advantage. Um, let me ask you this, Eric, just to pivot to you guys. Thoughts on how the Vols have been utilizing the NIL? I know a lot of different schools are creating the collectives and things like that. I know you're not supposed to use it with recruiting, but let's be real. It's happening out there. A&M, they got the number one class. I, and I'm pretty sure yeah. it wasn't just them selling people on the beauty of College Station. There was something else involved. It's okay. It's okay. There's workarounds around this. But I just bring it up because there's been a lot of smoke with Nico Iamalieva, one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the country. And there's been rumblings and smoke out there that Tennessee probably has an NIL deal in place with him. Yeah, well, I mean, Tennessee, first and foremost, jumped on this from the get-go. They didn't run from it. Uh, you know, Spire, um, you know, Spire Media Group is you know widely thought of as the the best collective in the country right now, and I know it's early, but you know they've been here from the forefront. They're just the guys that used to be a part of a a local agency group here in Knoxville, Tennessee, that have represented professional tennis players, professional football players, baseball players. Uh, they had Eric Berry for a little bit, and so they they just they were smart guys and have a whole lot of marketing experience. And they started Spire a couple years ago, and they've kind of stepped to the forefront of what a collective is and what a collective should be. And they're doing fantastic work of the focus being on players and student athletes on campus right now. You look, they've got tons and tons of deals out there with current student athletes through different businesses and all that. And they're facilitating that. And of course you look at other sports, lady balls, Tennessee baseball, Tennessee softball, Tennessee basketball. So they're doing a really, really nice job. And you know, when I'm asked about Nico and inducement and all that type of stuff, I mean, no one has all the answers. What you said, I mean, it's, there's workarounds and everything. Let's just be real. Nico Iamaliava, when he gets to campus, he'll have ample opportunities. He will have ample, um, you know, chances to go and make some money for being the quarterback here at Tennessee. But uh, name, image, likeness is a, is a thing. And if you don't have a collective that is steering in the right direction, plus there's state and local laws here in, the, in Tennessee that kind of help with that as well, um, you're going to be left behind. And I think Spire is doing a fantastic job. And, um, you know, I know people might roll their eyes about this and everything. And this, I'm not saying this is the biggest reason why Nico is coming to Tennessee, but he took a couple of visits down here. He took his mom, who's you know been battling some health uh, situations here the last couple of years, and you know, they chant his name at the basketball game. And 
you know, just seeing the red carpet being, you know, rolled out for him and his family. I mean, I think it meant something to the family as well. So uh, credit Tennessee for picking their quarterback early, going all in on one quarterback. And so they, too, while everybody else is sitting back and watching Jimbo and Nick Saban, Tennessee can sit back and watch Texas and Alabama and Georgia fight over Arch Manning and just say, hey, we got our guys. We're ready to roll. Talking with Eric Kane, host of Locked on Vols. Uh, Coming up next, I do want to touch on a little bit of Vol Spring Ball and what uh, we didn't get to see. A lot of folks outside of Knoxville and some of the takeaways and expectations for the Vols heading into 2022. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, want to uh, remind you guys about our friends at rockauto.com. Uh, with the ever-increasing numbers of make, makes and models of cars out there, it's impossible for your local auto parts chain store to stock all the parts that you need. Uh, when you go in there, they're just going to go to their computer, start typing in the make and model, and find the part for you. It's the same thing you can do on your own. You have a computer. Do it on your own. Save time and money when you go to rockauto.com. You can uh, save sometimes 30 50 even 100% on the same parts from that chain store or car dealership at Rock Auto. And best part is they are a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Prices rely below for every customer. They got everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go check out their easy-to-use website today. You can find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure you're right locked on. In their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Continue our conversation with Eric Kane. And Eric, just kind of want to get your thoughts on how the Vols look throughout the spring. They're the one team we didn't get to see nationally uh, play a spring game because of the renovations going on at Neyland. But what were your biggest takeaways that you saw from this team throughout the spring? Yeah, just trying to get a lot of the uh, a lot of the younger guys, a lot of the twos and the threes last year starts, you know, getting more reps and trying to create some depth. That's one thing that, you know, Tennessee, I think, in its first year under Josh Heupel, you know, leaps and bounds, um, you know, changed the program, changed the direction of the program. The offense is a top 10 offense in the entire country. Um, top three offense in the SEC. Of course, SEC leads the way pretty much the uh, you know all the time. But you, did, you didn't have any depth. I mean, you had three linebackers, two of which shouldn't have been playing, to be completely honest. You had no secondary depth. Offensive line, I mean, it was it, it was tough at times, right? But Tennessee found a way. And so finding some of these guys to step up and you know, the linebacker room looks a whole lot better right now. There's guys in the secondary that you can feel good about rotating in there. And and of course, you're number two of that offense. You saw the set that Hendon Hooker took and you know what he was able to accomplish with Josh Hopple in year number one. Can he take a step? And uh, you know, can can you break in two new wide receivers? Because as we know, Javante Payton no longer here and uh, you've got Cedric Tillman, but uh, of course you've got Bayless Jones, who's with the Chicago Bears now. So that's a lot of production on the offensive end. And you know, getting Brew McCoy via the transfer portal was huge. And uh, you know, Jalen Hyatt's going to step up and play that slot receiver. So just trying to figure out all those pieces, looking at the offensive tackle position. Um, I think it was a productive spring. Certainly, still some questions heading into fall camp, but I think it was productive uh, overall. I think a lot of us are expecting Hendon Hooker to take his game to an even higher level this year. I know all the, you know, offseason prognostications, some people naming him a dark horse for the Heisman. I think uh, Josh Pate from uh, 24-7, he said, you know, he thinks Tennessee would have to go at least 9-3 and three for Hooker to seriously get in the Heisman conversation. But I think the thing is, you know, when you talk about the stats that are needed to be in the running for the Heisman, stats will result in wins. If Hendon Hooker's putting up, you know, 
thousands and thousands of yards and tons and tons of touchdowns, it's going to result in wins on the field for the Vols. And yeah, they'll have to pull off an upset or two to be in that conversation. But just win, and man, if they could, if they could somehow, some way, win that Georgia game this year, it feels like the Vols can absolutely at least be in contention for the uh, SEC East this year. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know Georgia will come down, obviously, winning a national championship. Um, Florida's down right now. Kentucky's a solid football team. I think Tennessee's, you know, stepping up in the right direction. So, you know, that team, you know, who's going to be slaughtered right behind Georgia or contend with Georgia for the SEC East title and a trip down, I hate saying SEC East title, but a trip to go to Atlanta is what I should be saying. I think Tennessee's got a chance to, you know, to, to push for that this year and then, you know, maybe overtake that in the following year. So, you know, we'll have to see. I think, I think finding an outside wide receiver opposite Cedric Tumble was huge. And Brew McCoy's got a lot to prove. He really, really does. He's not played a whole lot of football, but he's got everything you want in terms of size and stature. Jalen Hyatt's a guy that we thought was going to step up and, and be the Bayless Jones of last year. And he took, you know, he, he took a back seat, but he had a really, really productive spring. And you're hearing a lot of good things about him. But you know, the guy right there, Hendon Hooker, you look at his stat sheet from last year, 31 passing touchdowns, three interceptions, six more rushing touchdowns or five more rushing touchdowns. Took over the starting job in week three. I mean, he, he's a talented player, right? He's smart. He's a quiet, but he, he's quiet, but he's a leader. And I, 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 too, think that here in year number two, being able to scan more of the field, being able to understand more of the playbook, uh, being able to be coached more by Josh Heupel and Joey Halsey in this offense. I, too, I'm expecting a step up. Now, how big of a step will that be? Because, I mean, that was a pretty good year last year to be, you know, all things considered. But the more stats you put up, I agree with you, the more games you're going to win. And, you know, Tennessee should win that Pittsburgh game this year. Tennessee should beat Florida this year. If you don't beat Florida this year, I mean, is it ever going to happen, right? <laughs> I mean, so those those should be two more wins this year. Can you beat Kentucky again? Can you contend with Georgia? What do you look like against Alabama? I think a lot of that will have in store to where obviously how good Tennessee can be this year, but also, you know, how good individually can Hendon Hooker be in terms of some of these other awards that he's in contention for. Yeah, you talk about the Kentucky game. Crazy to think that Will Levis versus Hendon Hooker could be a story of two guys climbing up the NFL draft charts for next next year's NFL draft. Real quick, can I get your thoughts on that? CBS Sports <laughs> loves then some Will Levis. Yeah. I think he's a fine player. He's got all the intangibles, but – your thoughts on all this hype heading into the early mock drafts? Yeah, I mean, you you lose uh, Wandell Robinson. That that's obviously going to hurt them. But you know, I, I think that they've done a good job of in the transfer portal. Kentucky adding uh, Javon Baker, adding Tavian Robinson. You're just a little unknown there with some of the other pieces. And so, how quickly can Will Levis gel with those pieces? Chris Rodriguez, I know he had the the arrest a few weeks ago and the missed court date and all that. Hopefully he gets all that figured out. He's going to be a stud back in that backfield again for Kentucky. But, yeah, it's it's about we know Will Levis is pretty good, but, man, you know, how quickly can these weapons gel with him? We saw Wondell Robinson did gel with him very quickly last year and had a phenomenal year and got drafted. So I think it's going to come down to that. Look, if they get into summer fall ball and these guys are, you know, taking the top off and Will Levis is – you know, in control at offense, I think he can be very good. I don't know number one pick in next year's NFL draft good, like I think Chris Pasco had from uh, from CBS Sports. You're right. But I think yeah. I think it absolutely is like if we're going through all the matchups, everybody's going to be talking about Bryce Young. Everybody's going to be talking about Stetson Bennett. But, like, the sexiest matchup next year, under-the-radar sexy matchup, could be Will Levis versus Hendon Hooker in, in that Kentucky-Tennessee game next year. 
Um, yep, I, I think you're completely right. I just, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on that because I, I was blown away a little bit in some of this offseason with all that talk. Well, speaking of CBS Sports, Eric, I know uh, you saw the rankings. They put out their college football coaching rankings uh, a week ago, ranking 65 all the way up to one. Josh Heupel, he did shoot up from year one to year two. He was 52 a year ago. He's 33 in this year's rankings. Uh, largely, I guess I don't have a problem with the specific ranking on the range, but more so with who I, I was ahead of him. That's where I had the problem. Florida's Billy Napier was one spot ahead of him at 32. I like Billy Napier. I think he did a fantastic job at ULL, or Louisiana as we're calling him. I just at this point would not have Napier ahead of Heupel with what we just saw Heupel, with collectively what we saw Heupel do at UCF and now what we saw him do in year one at Tennessee. I, I would have him a little bit higher there. Yeah, Chris, you must have been listening to Locked On Vols last week because, <laughs> I mean, I echo that, man. Like, I like Billy Napier. I think he's a good coach. I think he'll succeed at Florida. But I don't understand when you have, you know, Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. He comes into 49. At Notre Dame. Oh, and one as a head coach, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Mike Elko is at, like, 61. You've got you know, the the new Virginia Tech coach, Pry, at, like, 65. And, you know, all these other, uh, Dan Lanning. And they're way back there. Just like Josh Heupel was in year one at 52. And that's understandable, right? Billy Napier has never coached it down in the SEC. I think he'll be fine. He's never co- and we saw Josh Heupel come into the worst situation last year and turn that sucker around and, and play some exciting brand of football, right? So I was a little intrigued to why Billy Napier. I mean, there's this love fest with Billy Napier in the national media, and that's fair. It's fine, but I just I, I didn't get that. It's an offseason talking point, and I certainly used it. So. Uh, overall, 33 or 32nd, wherever it was, I, um, I th- that's fine for Hypo. I think that's right where, where he should be. Honestly, I had no issue with that, but I like you. The the, the man right in front of Josh Hypo, I didn't quite understand. Uh, you know, Kleiman was in there two spots ahead of him as well. I, they could have flopped, in my opinion, but at the end of the day, it's no big deal. But uh, 33rd's about right for Josh Hypo right now. We'll see if he has a good year, maybe he can jump inside the top 25. Yeah, you talk about some people who, you know, fall in love with uh, the media, fall in love with Shane Beamer. They fall in love with Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. They fall in love with Billy Napier. Maybe Josh Heupel needs to go, you know, go up to Bristol, Connecticut, do make do the round table at ESPN, do something, get himself out there a little bit more to be embraced by the media because it seems like those guys always get the benefit of the doubt. I'm with you. Marcus Freeman, like, when I saw College Game Day is skipping all the SEC environments and they're going to be at Ohio State, Notre Dame. I get it's going to be two highly ranked teams, but it feels like that's a game Ohio State's going to crush. Notre Dame, yeah. I know we're optimistic. Everybody wants to be a big, bad Brian Kelly, left them high and dry. Okay, I get it, but like we saw Freeman in the bowl game. He's got a long way to go. It's his mm-hmm. first job as a head coach. Hey, we'll see, but uh, he's outside the SEC. We don't have to worry about him. <laughs> uh, when we uh, get into our next segment, Eric, I do want to switch gears, talk a little bit on this Tennessee baseball team because they have been, I mean, breaking records all year, just historic season for them. Uh, unbelievable what they're doing. We're going to get to that in just a second. Talking with Eric Kane from Locked on Vols, and you know, we're talking a little bit about some of the dark horses in the Heisman race, if you want to see some of those Heisman odds, they're up at Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online, they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including NBA playoffs, uh, MLB scores, fights, even next season's NFL futures, and like I said, some of the college football early lines out there as well. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head on over to their website today. You can do so on your mobile device 
Learn all about the trends and action out there. Bookmark it into your phone. It should be the first website you go to every day, betonline.net. See all the trends and everything that uh, is out there, all the information you need before you go place any bets. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. And, Eric, we've got uh, SEC Tournament in Hoover. Just started up yesterday. Obviously, we got some games happening today. Tennessee will play later today in the uh, third game spot, but – Wanted to just get your thoughts overall on this team. Tony Vitello, look, we were impressed with what he did last year, making the Vols relevant again, getting to the postseason and all that. But, man, a ridiculous 25-5 and record in conference, 49-7 and overall, one of the greatest regular seasons in fall baseball history. What do you make of this team overall? It's a, it's a really good team, and uh, I know that's not breaking any news here, but that lineup, you lost guys like Liam Spence and Jake Rucker and uh, Max Ferguson and a ton of those guys, those, those big bats in the middle of the order last year. But you brought back Jordan Beck, who you know is going to be a first-round pick. Drew Gilbert, who won the batting title in the SEC. Evan Russell, who has been here for seven years and made a position switch behind the plate. But the pitching's been the story here. Chase Burns, Chase Dolander coming over from Georgia Southern, and of course, Drew Beam, Blake Tidwell coming back, and that's why Tennessee's been successful this year. And if Tennessee's going to be successful in Hoover and in regional, super regional, and hopefully Hoover play as the postseason goes on, it's going to be because of that pitching. Uh, it's been phenomenal. And, and you you have four guys to, to play three games typically, but it's going to come in handy in Hoover. It's going to come in handy uh, potentially in a regional top setup. So and, and Hoover potentially as well. So that's why Tennessee's been so good. It's It's been a blast this year so far. Just a credit to Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson, uh, for coming in here, you know, five years ago, and little by little getting better each and every year, you know, going with a chip on their shoulder, playing a fiery brand of baseball, kind of taking on that villain role, not only in the SEC but in you know college baseball altogether. That's something they take. That's something that they love, and uh, it's been a whole lot of fun to watch this year. And hopefully, it'll be an extended postseason run, and they can get back to Hoover and win a couple of games. All right, I've talked with multiple people that they're excited about, you know, the double-digit home runs from so many different guys on this team this year. It is a nice ballpark that does play to the advantage sometimes. Uh, let's just say Tennessee is hosting a regional, hosting a super regional, and they take care of business and they get out of that weekend, those two weekends, and get to Omaha. Will things change getting to that big, deep ballpark in Omaha with this team, in your opinion? In my opinion, no. Now, I mean, you know, you can't run away from the fact that, yeah, they play in a hitter-friendly ballpark, and that's fine. But, you know, some of the, you know, Williams, you know, Williamsport jokes that have been made all season long, I think that's a little far-stretched because they've gone to the Minute Maid Park, and they've they've hit a ton of home runs out of there. They uh, hit, what, five home runs in game one against Ole Miss way back when. They, you know, uh, it was a launch pad there on Thursday night against Mississippi State. So they've proven that they, you know, as they travel, they can also travel that power as well. So, I think that's one of the more overhyped stories, uh, you know, really digs of the Cincinnati baseball program that I just don't believe is true all that time. And, you know, I'll watch every single game, and I'm not going to pretend like everybody that's a college baseball fan watches every single game in Tennessee, and this is no hyperbole. So many of their shots are like, I mean, there's a train track back there. It's over the tracks. It's over the road. It's over <laughs> the scoreboard. I mean, it's, it's truly incredible that the power that this team possesses, and not just your Drew Gilberts and your Evan Russells and your Jordan Becks, but it's your Jarrell Ortega's. It's your... Blake Burks, who is a true freshman that is fighting for reps, uh, you know, fighting for bats on this baseball team and can't find him anywhere because you have Luke Lipsius, as Tony Vitello put him the other night, as a 40-year-old first baseman, and he's found a role as the DH here because Jared Dickey's injured. So uh, top to bottom, the depth uh, for this baseball team is 
is truly incredible. And again, it's a, it's a credit to Tony Vatello for his knack for recruiting. We knew he was a good recruiter, you know, coming in, but now we've, we're seeing the development as well these last couple of years, and especially this year. One of my buddies who's a Vols fan sent me a graphic last week where David DeLucci said, this is the best team that college baseball has ever seen from top to bottom. He said, yeah, so I uh, guess the Vols are going to lose the first two games in the regional and go home, right? I guess <laughs> I guess that's just the Tennessee mindset, right? Like when whenever anybody hypes you up as this is the greatest we've ever seen, man, it's you can't help but be like, yeah, we're losing. this. Uh, we're, we're cursed. Well, I mean, how many times? I mean, you've seen the New England Patriots do it a couple of times, and there are situations, don't get me wrong, but – you know, it's not been wire to wire, but it's pretty much been wire to wire this season. Tennessee's been the clear cut best team in the country. And yep. so many times you see getting knocked out in the divisional round or you know, getting knocked out in the, uh, you know, the, the the conference finals or whatever. So it, it, it's hard not to think that way because, again, Tennessee's been burned so many times. But uh, hopefully this year will be different. Last thing, Eric, before we uh, let you go, um, the uh, we mentioned the spring game not happening at Neyland because – there's improvements going on at Neyland. What are you hearing? Uh, where are we on the updates at Neyland? And how much nicer are things going to be uh, this season and moving forward? Yeah, I think it's going to look a little different this year. Of course, the total capacity is going to come down. Here's a hint, or, or not, not a hint. Here's a secret, I guess. You know, uh, here at Tennessee, uh, everybody makes a big deal about the about the 102.455. It hasn't been 102.455 <laughs> in a long time. Right. I, I can promise you that. Um, but you're taking away some of the some of the seating in the uh, in, in this uh, the north end zone, putting a new jumbotron there in the south end zone. You're gonna take the jumbotron down, and you're gonna put up uh, one that replicates the new one. You're putting premium seating in there, like you're seeing right there, and kind of a bar set up and, and some more uh, you know more modernized kind of kind of seating capacities that you're seeing in more stadiums right now. So it's on its way. It's a start. They're gonna continue to do some more stuff as the year goes on. Uh, but it is on track. Everything I'm hearing, the construction is on track. It should be ready to roll, even though Tennessee moved up its opener from a Saturday to a Thursday night, two days uh, two days closer. It should be ready to roll, and it should look a, a little bit better. And I think as years go on, you'll see more of an impact in, in terms of m- making it more of a fan experience and you know getting the Wi-Fi up and running more. Uh, obviously, the, the food and beverage, the concourse, making them a little bit more inviting. But the two jumbotrons and the premium seating is more of the, uh, the focus this offseason. He is Eric Kane, host of Locked on Vols. Uh, for our listeners on Locked on SEC, let them know uh, what you're going to have on the uh, podcast this week. Yeah, uh, tons of recap and tons of preview, I guess. It's Tennessee baseball in Hoover coming up. Uh, Tennessee basketball, a really nice little run here. A couple of uh, a four- and a five-star commit and a couple of transfers. So recapping that and, of course, the latest going on with the Tennessee football team and around the SEC spring meetings uh, up on the horizon. So a whole lot to talk about on Locked On Balls. Yeah, see if Josh Heupel takes a shot at uh, Jimbo Fisher. Let's just make this a whole everybody take jabs at everybody. SEC media days will be literally they could sell tickets to fans to come watch SEC media days because it's going to be that awesome. He is Eric Kane, host of Locked On Balls. Eric, I swear I didn't mean to wear orange today. It just happened that way, but worked <laughs> out. Uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, anytime, man. All right, he is Eric Kane, host of Locked on Vols. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. We will talk to you guys later in the week, talking all things SEC right here on Locked on SEC. Thanks again for making us your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen. Check out Eric with Locked on Vols. Check out uh, Locked on Razorbacks, Locked on Bama, tons of other great podcasts all across the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm Chris Gordy. You guys have an awesome day.